Welcome back to Walking Away from Arcadia. This is the fourth episode of Hunter's Augment. We are gathered here with our intrepid crew. In the last game, they had a bit of an unfortunate but illuminating dive into digital subspace where they discovered that the augmented hunters are involved in far more than they realized. Perhaps other supernaturals, perhaps even shifters could be their next victims. Everything that's going on seems like it's about to escalate. They have left their UFO and they are now approaching the local campus radio station in the hopes of getting some extra equipment, a little bit of extra information, and perhaps digging into exactly what these devices really are. Before we go farther in this story, though, we're going to meet our crew once again. Hi, I'm Erica. I'm playing Casey, who is a bat countless. I'm Simon. I'm playing Mark, who is a Luddite and has a headache from being in digital subspace and being an idiot. I'm Natali. I'm playing Neodymium, the very obvious face of this group. I'm Josh. I'm playing Conrad Brand, a physicist of the void. Hey, I'm Angel. I am playing Esty, who uh, is really not looking forward to this interview at the radio station. <laughs> well, the interview itself is going to come later. This is just okay. <laughs> meeting up with your glorious fan, your devoted student, your entirely too exuberant human hanger-on, however you want to describe him. The crew is approaching the student radio station. You can see the tower where all of the broadcasting happens rising up into the sky. You approach the front door of the radio station, and it's open. It's regular business hours. People come and go. You walk into the radio station, and you see, almost immediately, Estes students, Nathan Tabert, and he is standing there talking with one of the other students, planning out a show. He turns his head, and he looks over, and he sees Esty, and he rushes up and says, oh, I'm so glad you got here. I, I was going to have to leave soon, but I can absolutely show you around anything you need at all. Thank you so much for agreeing to that interview. I cannot wait. That show is going to be excellent. My my views on MeTube are going through the roof. I'm getting even more viewers there than we get on the radio station. So many people are going to see this, and your work is just so exciting. Thank you so much for agreeing to that. Like, What can I do for you? What, what do you want to see in the radio station? Sure. So Esty has kind of a plastered-on smile <laughs> of... Okay, tolerating the other human now. Thanks. <laughs> Let me introduce my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who, who is everyone? Are you, are you thinking of putting a show together yourself? I'm, we're pretty stacked right now, but I'm sure I could find a time slot. Maybe later. <laughs> we just wanted to take a look at some equipment. So this is Mark and... Hi. <laughs> Nathan turns over and he's, he extends his hand. He's super thrilled to meet you. Any of Esty's friends must be fantastic. He's very clearly 
trying to make a good impression. I shake his hand and I say, if you ever want to do a program about the bees, I would be pleased. He keeps the smile on his face, but he really isn't sure quite how to respond to a program about the bees. But he isn't going to question you about it right now because it's clear that he just wants to make everyone like him. He'll turn to Conrad and say, I haven't seen you around the department. I've I've seen a bunch of the rest of you. What's your name? And he reaches his hand out and introduces himself as Nathan, even though that was, you know, established earlier. Nathan, uh, I'm Conrad Brand. Conrad reaches out and shakes his hand brusquely, but, you know, firmly. I'm actually a PhD candidate in the astrophysics lab. Oh, you are. I don't know how I haven't seen you. I, I spend a lot of time in there. So as he says this, you suddenly recognize him. You realize you haven't met him before. But you have seen his picture before. He is currently being considered for recruitment into your convention. And you were part of application is a strong term. That would imply that it was submitted by the individual at, you know, listed at the top of the file. But a um, a record review of his work in the PhD program. And you were specifically asked to not engage with him in a meaningful way to prevent any overlap. When Esty talked about him earlier, you didn't put two and two together, but now you recognize him. He was identified as being an ideal talent with a penchant for inconsistency. Conrad immediately is kind of like, oh, um, I've heard your name before, but it's... Nod that we've never had a chance to meet one another. Hopefully we we get to interact more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I'll look for you in in the department. It'll be great. And then he looks around and realizes how many more people there are to introduce himself to. And he says, well, how about we we, we head on in while we get to know each other? And And I can start showing you around the radio station. And he just brushes past everyone else. He clearly just wants to get you in the radio station. It seems like he has somewhere that he needs to be. He is going to take you in and start a tour of the radio station. And it's really not what you're interested in. You said you wanted to see equipment. So he brings you into the recording booths and he starts talking about audio equipment and all the podcasting that they're doing and making sure that everything they record for the radio gets out to a broader reach and really the future is in streaming and they're going to get their own server and the university is going to help them be independent and get away from all that ridiculous funded controlled me crap he's very very intently focused on that idea you really want to get farther into the actual broadcast equipment as he's showing you through though there is another show recording and you kind of hear it as it's being played throughout the station. Low volume, but you can always hear what's being broadcast. And uh, it's definitely more intense than the other shows you've heard on student radio. Whoever's recording this has 
an edge to what she's talking about. What are you going to do? Do you want to just like wait till he gets to the right part of the radio station? Hopefully he will. Or do you want to try to tip your hand about exactly what you're looking for? Neodymium, upon recognizing that he's talking about the recording end, responds with, this is fascinating. We require access to your broadcast equipment. Oh. Oh, broadcast equipment. Um, I mean, I haven't worked directly with the broadcast stuff before. Um, the engineers are really here, but I mean, as long as we don't mess with anything, I can, I can, I can show you that. Sure. Um, yeah, follow me. And he takes you into a back room in the back end of the station. And that's where everything is actually wired up to the antenna. There's a lot of equipment there. There are a lot of monitors there. It's not equipment that he's clearly comfortable around. He's not likely to leave you here, but he kind of tries to introduce it and say, this, yeah, this is um, not what I normally work with here. And he's just kind of confused. You get a good look at it, though, and it's clear that this is nicer broadcast equipment than you'd expect in a student radio. It's new, and for those of you who are more technically inclined, it looks like it's been modified. You're pretty sure this will get you what you need, but you probably need to get rid of this kid. Yeah, so Casey, as a wildlife conservation major, is completely useless in this part. So Casey will see that we are where we need to be and try to engage Nathan in conversation about what really excited him so that hopefully they will, like, wander off because he'll be too distracted with the conversation. Okay, can you give me a charisma plus performance role? Difficulty seven? He really knows he shouldn't leave people back here, but he is really excited about the show he creates. Can I help out with that? Sure, absolutely. If you want to do an assist. I have one success. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can do an assist. Because it's a little trickier to juggle when it's between the two of you, Simon, your role will be at eight. But between the two roles, you should probably still rack up more successes. I don't have performance. I do have empathy, which I imagine like being able to tap into like this is the thing that gets Nathan so excited that you would You can roll empathy if you want. Into it. Yeah, you can roll empathy. There we go. And two. Two <laughs> successes. One success. All right. <laughs> so between the two of you, you you racked up three successes. He uh takes the time to look at everyone else and say, just don't touch anything. Just please, please don't touch anything. All right. I Oh man, I I helped I helped the engineer a little bit with some of the electrical, but I don't fully understand everything else and I don't I just don't touch anything, okay? But yeah. So tell me more turns, about your show. Like tell me more about your show. Like what is the direction you see it in the future? Where do you plan on going with it? Oh man, and he just it, it gets him. He pivots and he starts walking back and he's going to like play some of his recordings for you and he's like, "I talk about unique astrophysical phenomenon. I give guides to like what to see in the sky and really I just get to like come on and talk about my work in the astrophysics department. It's amazing." And then he starts like going on about 
the nature of information as it's lost descending into a black hole and the destructive effect of the event horizon that maybe when you go into a singularity, you really aren't completely destroyed. Maybe all your information isn't lost. Maybe you just change fundamentally. And as a couple of countless, it's uh, very difficult for you to listen to all of this and not punch him in the face <laughs> because you know all too well what going into a singularity is like, but he's just so exuberant about it. Oh, there's so, only one word that occurs. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> oh, yeah, like neodymium is not one of those. He's going to leave Casey and Dova Bear back out into the station, and he's going to play some of his pieces for you, and he's just, you have him hooked. Casey's going to feign like they're very interested and also don't understand it to hope that they'll mansplain to them. Weaponized <laughs> <laughs> mansplaining. Like, oh, wow. Oh my God. I, I just, I'm only in the wildlife department. I don't understand how any of this works. Like, what do you mean by a rough cut? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for your sacrifice. So that was very and, beautiful. An interesting thing is going to happen. You like draw him into that and you're playing the like the damsel in the I don't know how to audio edit distress. And he's just about to lean into like that sort of very mansplainy angle, but he glances over at the studio where the current show is being recorded. And even though whoever's in that studio can't hear him, it's like he thinks twice about it and goes, no. And says, well, you know, I, I, I think I helped um, someone from your department do a couple more segments. I could hook you up with them. It would be great. And he sidesteps the whole thing. But you're pretty sure if you had him one-on-one, -on -one, he probably would have gone all the way in. You're not totally certain what stopped him. If you look in at who's recording, there are two people in there. There's a black woman in, you would guess, her mid to late 20s, and a younger, you'd say, like, undergrad white guy. They're recording a show together, and you kind of start listening because you saw that interaction yeah. from Nathan. And they're talking about current events, and they're, like into it there it's really kind of like a very edgy almost like mockingly angry sort of tone and as you start listening to it you realize it's some sort of political show they're complaining about corporate excess and how you know everyone on this campus is just being taken advantage of by all the local companies you don't ever remember hearing a show like this on student radio before but maybe you just weren't listening at the right times You'll be ushered into one of the side recording studios by Nathan, and he starts bringing up the various pieces that he's recorded that he wants to play for you. I'm going to jump back over to the rest of the group. So you've been left in here with the actual transmission equipment. The door behind you is open, especially for Conrad and Neodymium. You're pretty sure that you could just hack this stuff. I mean, this is your cup of tea. But even SD... SD could probably give a pretty solid assist on this. What do you want to do now that you have access to this equipment? Charlemagne, we were told not to physically interact with the equipment. Neither of us would need to do that. Please assist. 
Uh, you'd like me to take the lead on that part. Fine. I'm happy to do so. No, I asked for you to assist. I'm happy to assist? I'm not <laughs> quite sure what you're asking me to do. It is called hacking. You've displayed a profinity for interacting with computer systems. I'm happy to hack away. So what do you want to try to do with the equipment? Neodymium has a fancy multi-tool. It's the one external device that he actually has. I'm sure in meat space, it probably looks like a Tamagotchi. Okay. It allows him to work with other people to cooperatively interface with outside electronics or networked systems, which this would need to be. That would allow both SD and Conrad to work with him on this. He would be doing like the majority, but they would be able to basically, they're networked, like just plug into whatever the Tamagotchi looks like. So in terms of the direct hacking roles, SD and Conrad, if you want to, you can connect to Neodymium's multi-tool and provide assistance roles at a higher difficulty. Although Conrad, I will say, once you're networked with it, you could, if you wanted to, run secondary procedures in the background. It's the sort of tech interface that you're fairly certain you could improv some procedures using this equipment if there were other things that you wanted to do. Okay. We'll start with Neodymium. What exactly do you want to attempt to hack using this equipment? For context, you could access local cell networks. You could access other radio activity. You could probably access any mobile devices used within the range of the antenna directly without having to navigate the actual cell networks. What Neodymium wants to achieve is first he wants to use the radio tower to uh, connect to one or all of the local cell networks. There's usually overlap and they usually are operating out of a singular tower. Technically, what he's looking to do is ping all of the, every device he can find that A, has this app, and then B, has this app and meets the criteria he's been provided for the people who are missing. Okay, so go ahead and give me a computer plus intelligence role. Esty, do you want to interface and assist on this role? Absolutely. So you can interface and give me the same role. If you want, because of your particular nature as a direct dream of technology, you can replace computer with technology if that is a higher role for you. Gives me one extra die. I'll take it. The difficulty for Esty will be eight since you are doing the assist. The difficulty for Neodymium will be seven. Josh, are you going to also attempt to take part in this action? Or for this round, do you want to try to interface and do a different procedure? I think I'm going to wait for a little bit and see what sort of things they're getting out of this. Okay. And then I will probably do some other things as well in the background. Okay. That sounds good. Um, but are you going to interface at all? And, and look directly at their output, or are you just going to hold off for now? I'm going to interface, uh, but just to observe, not to okay. take any action. 
Okay, that sounds good. Um, so neodymium and SD, let me know how many successes you got. I got four. Oh, uh, I got six. Holy crap. Well then, you get plenty of information. The first thing is the cell signatures for the people who are missing, you actually will find all of their phones. While the knocker who disappeared went home, the rest of the missing individuals are actually still in Seattle. They're just off campus and they're completely out of their normal cycle. They aren't in the normal places people would expect to see them. And because they are all in hibernation slash chimerical death, depending on the paradigm you're looking at, they're not engaging with their holographic communities anymore. But you are able to find their phones. None of them have this app on their phones. So similar to you, what you suspect seeing this is they were attacked by people that have this app, chimerically killed or put into hibernation, and then they went out of their pattern. But they themselves are not part of this game. Not really. The other thing with that many successes you will identify is your initial search of all of the standard cell networks. You don't find anyone with this app installed. You don't find anyone that matches this profile. And at first, you're kind of frustrated because like all the networks are opening up for you. You're not running into any security that you can't immediately discard. So you don't understand why you're not finding anything. And it's actually Esty because Esty is taking a somewhat different approach to things and not just focusing on the software. Esty sees that there is another network that is layered in and obfuscated by the standard cell networks. It's almost like it's hijacking bits and pieces of all of the other signals and collectively creates an amalgam network of its own. And it isn't until you start digging in and looking at that network directly that you find phones with this app on it. And once you do actually access that network, you find a ton of phones with this application on it or with similar applications on it. It seems like this entire subnetwork is devoted 100% to this work. And you find in the neighborhood of 50 devices that have this software or related software on it. And it is concentrated strongly downtown you're actually able to triangulate it to a particular building and to a particular floor of that building with that many successes. And there are a few other phones scattered out, you know, throughout the city. You'd say there are probably maybe 10 that are out about the city. Some of them are grouped, some of them are individual, but the majority of these 50-ish signatures are in this one particular building on this one particular floor. And it's, it's a high rise. It's a business building. And, uh, these phones all seem to be located on the seventh floor. So, Conrad, when you see all of this data come in, you recognize that building as being a location where there are currently four union amalgams assigned to work. There are several extraordinary labs hidden in that building. You're not aware of any of them on the floor where these phones are coming up, but it seems like an awfully significant coincidence to you that all of these phones would be showing up where there's so much union activity. Of these four amalgams, one of them is actually pretty high profile. It's been established for many years. There are high-ranking officers running incredibly well-funded research out of the labs in this building. And they're not public 
labs. This is not like they don't have a face. They're black in terms of knowledge in the general populace. As far as anyone in Seattle who isn't part of the union is concerned, that's just an office building. The idea that they are finding connections to that building is an immediate concern for you. Yeah, it's uh, so so much of a concern that Conrad audibly kind of goes, something uh, uh, mm. mm-hmm. wrong? Not exactly. I'm just surprised at this particular location. It's um, it's not a location I would have anticipated these things being concentrated in. It's not a building I'm familiar with. What Why would it? this information surprise you? Actually, I incidentally uh, have an office space there that I've used in the past to do some specific research, some kind of private research, honestly. And so I'm particularly surprised that I would have been so close to the development of this app working in a similar location in this building. When was the last time you were there? Oh, I would have been a couple of months ago, at least, probably two or three months. And I'm lying out of my ass, so please let Mm -hmm. me know if I need to roll anything to make that. uh... Let's go ahead and roll that. Let's roll uh, Manipulation plus Subterfuge, and SD can roll Perception plus Subterfuge. Due to Neodymium's issues with reading people, Neodymium will not be able to roll to tell that lying is happening here. No worries. Uh, what's the difficulty? Difficulty seven on both sides. Oh, that's a uh, failure, not a botch. I'm almost with a botch. Failure. Yeah, I got two successes. Yeah, you can tell he is absolutely making this up on the fly and not doing a terribly good job of it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> really, we're going to build that trust. <laughs> I am the one who abducted him, and I am shit liar, too. <laughs> so Esty's going to look at Conrad and just say, really? And, you know, kind of try to do an intimidating stare sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll just give it to you, Conrad, uh, because you did not bot. You just failed. You know when you've been had, and you can tell that you weren't really selling it that well. Okay, let me be frank and open. There, that building is the location of several, well, several important things. And I can't say any more than that without getting in a lot of trouble. And I don't mean to be evasive or unhelpful, but if we go into that building to do this sort of research, we need to be very, very careful, and it could be very, very dangerous for us. Noted. And you, and because you got two successes, I will say his whole manner did change. There was sort of like a resignation. You actually do think he's at least telling something closer to the truth now. (laughs) Fair enough. Just because you two got so many successes, are there other specific things you want to have looked for? I'm willing to give some more information if you give me a sense of, of what you were digging for. If I could convert some of that search to occurring within digital subspace, that would be nice. Sure. So if you actually search within digital subspace, you will be able to tell that this particular network is a pervasive breakthrough into digital subspace. 
whatever is hijacking that little bit of bandwidth from all of these other networks is projecting directly into digital subspace to do its work. The best way I could describe it is each of the cell networks would be like a server on the internet. And this other network is like a distributed BitTorrent network. So it doesn't have its own cell towers. It's just stealing little bits of bandwidth and hijacking holes through digital subspace to intermingle with all the other hijacked bits of network to create a collective amalgam that has signal everywhere. It would be very, very difficult to shut this thing down because it is using so much distributed hardware from so many different places, but the whole network traces back to that building. So we should burn it down. It's a big high-rise with a bunch of other businesses in it. So yes, Neodymium would probably want to burn it down. They have insurance if they are intelligent. Oh, you're about to be real popular. Um, you have a point. <laughs> Esty, is there anything else you would like to dig at, given the number of successes you both banked? So the other thing that I would be interested in looking at is if there are other physical locations where there's concentrations of people who have these apps, for example, if there's something on that, was it like the south side of the city where the werewolves were, things like that? Oh, you're looking for the raids? Yeah. So if you look for concentrations of these devices, at first you don't see anything. And, uh, you know, there are just people and they're in different parts of the city and it's a little bit frustrating at first, but then you think, you know, these are people with cell phones, and cell phones don't exist in a single place. So you go digging in the computers on this network, and you find geolocation logs for all of these devices. And once you actually map together the travel patterns of these devices, so... Where do these people go to work? Where do they go home? Where do they go, you know, to have fun and party? You start to see a pattern emerge, and it is centered around a couple specific parts of the city. One of them is that south side of the city. When you get down there, several of these devices tend to end up in that part of the city in the evening. So you're guessing they live down there and probably work in more of the city center. And then there are a couple other locations in the city where you do see a convergence of several of these devices. Also, the 40-some devices that are currently in that building, once you get the travel logs, you see where those devices end up going because they aren't always in that building. Some of them are. I'd say about half of them actually don't leave the building. They may not even be cell phones. But most of them do travel, and they're a big part of how you're able to identify the areas of the city where there's concentration. And you see in the travel logs that all of these devices originated in that building. So they all started there, and then some of them left the building permanently, as though they were given to people, given the test nature of this quote-unquote game that tracks pretty well with what you've seen so far. I'm going to go ahead and jump back over to Dova Bear and Casey. You are in this studio, and you are listening to this astrophysical educational radio content, and he really just wants to jump from thing to thing, but he also wants to, you know, play you his best pieces, and it's, you can't keep track of 
any of it. It's meaningless to both of you. But as you're sitting here trying to, you know, keep up the facade and keep him interested, you keep hearing tidbits from this other radio show that's going on. At one point, it shifts from kind of just like general anti-capitalist, anti-corporate, you know, fire branding into specific complaints about Avalon Interactive. And that grabs both of your attention. So you're faking it with Nathan, but you're trying to listen to this program. As you start listening to it, you start hearing one of the two co-hosts. You've picked up that her name is Lizzie Alston, and she's going on about this game that Avalon Interactive has started pushing out to Seattle, and it's the same sort of thing that she ran into. She tells this story about her brother from years ago when he got in on one of their experimental products, and it's just supposed to be good times, games, but he ended up with injuries and defects and and what she could only call mutations, as ridiculous as that sounds, throughout both of his legs from playing this virtual reality game years ago. And now here they are sending this stuff out into Seattle. And is any of it tested? She starts telling these stories from people she's heard online. And it's very clear to you that she's talking about the Hunter's Augment program. She is damned upset about it. So the show is going to go on like this, and you look at each other and realize that there's someone else here who clearly knows at least a little bit about what's going on. What are you going to do when you make that connection? Do I know Lizzie from any of the pubs around town, like their trivia nights or their open mic nights? Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Do you have contacts? Yes, I do. I have two dots of contacts. All right, roll double your contacts, because that's not a particularly high challenge. So yeah, roll double your contacts. Difficulty's six. Six, double my contacts. May I also roll? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you have contacts, definitely. I do. I have three successes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know her. She is, uh, well, I'll wait until we see what Casey rolled. Not a clue. <laughs> All right. So you don't know her. You do not go to the fun trivia nights. You know, Dova Bear's like, come on, you would rock these. Let's go mess these people up at trivia. And you're like, eh, no, it's fine. So yeah, you've met her at a bunch of different things. Trivia nights. You actually went out with her a couple of times to grab drinks. She is very active in the local leftist scene. She definitely leans a bit hard towards the anarchist. And you've heard her mention that she had a radio show on student radio once or twice. You've never listened to it, but she is always involved in a protest and action. She is always doing something. She usually picks things that there's a good reason to be active with it. She's not just always looking for a fight or maybe she is, but she's careful about which ones she picks. She's been around for several years. She got her undergrad at the university and then stayed on and is a couple years into her grad work. So she knows the university and she knows Seattle really well. I'm going to shoot her a text message replete with lots and lots of I'm bad at technology typos and autocorrect substitutions. She has met you, so that won't come as a huge surprise. I will say she's 
not going to be checking her texts in the middle of actually doing a radio show record. Oh, yeah. I don't need her to check her texts now. I just need to pick her brain later. Yeah, absolutely. So you shoot her that text. We'll see what comes of that when she's done with her radio show. How about you, Casey? You don't know her, but the content of the radio show has definitely caught your attention. So I will talk to Nathan and see if we can get as much information as we can as far as, like, what are they recording? Who is that? Like, just continuing to play stupid. And also, like, how long does this radio show go on for? Nathan says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, Lizzie and Nick's show. Parsons Hour. Terrible name, but whatever. It's their show. Um, Yeah, political stuff, activism. It's not really my cup of tea. Uh, He looks up the clock. They've got about 15 minutes of show left, and then they should be done. Um, They've been in there recording for a while, so they're almost finished. You can tell they're worked up to a fervor. This is about the level of rage that hits at about the three-quarters mark. They have a pattern. It's clear he's been here for this show before, but he's not invested in the same things. God damn it, autocorrect. When have I ever used that word? (laughs) He looks over at you and says, well, I mean, you don't have to swipe. Look, I can, I can, let me help you. And he tries to like reach out and take your phone. What will Dova Bear do? I will attempt to use one of the only skills I have like given this character intentionally and try to like be intimidating as I slap his hand away. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me charisma plus intimidation. Okay. I have a lot of dice. So this is either going to be amazing or I'm going to botch in an amazing way. Three successes is more than enough. So uh, I slap he... his hand away and I, I look at him and I'm like, no, I'm going to get this right. He goes from being kind of embarrassed because he realizes what a terrible social faux pas he just committed to being a little bit concerned at your reaction and the enchantment of, oh, hey, we want to know all about your cool science thing has been broken. And he suddenly realizes, I, 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 I need to leave. Like, I have an appointment. Oh, God, I totally lost track of time. We need to go back and get your friends out of the transmission room. Like, I can't, I need to go. I can't leave them in there. And he just, like, gets up and walks out of the recording room, sort of assuming you two will follow. Will you follow him? Question. Since he's been distracted this whole time, is it reasonable? Like, where are we standing? Is the hallway too so small that it would be impossible for someone to sneak past us? So you actually weren't in the hallway. He took you into one of the recording booths. There is the live broadcast booth, which is where, you know, the current radio show is being recorded out of. And then there's the technician's booth where the tech who's actually doing all of the balancing live from the show is. And then they have a couple other rooms that are clearly meant to like pre-record segments and interviews that are live that they'll then broadcast later. And he took you into one of those so that he could play all his recorded segments for you. Right, right, right. So this is perfect. So I imagine we would be able to see the hallway or the area past yes. the recording booth. So Casey will boldface lie and say, oh, yeah, I lost track of the time too. I know that SD had an appointment as well. They left. I saw them walk by. Okay. So give me a manipulation plus subterfuge roll. Cool. Difficulty is 
going to be eight. This is actually a bit of a, a sell to get him to not go back and check this. <laughs> well, boy, oh boy, are we in for some fun. Oh, no. <laughs> I have failed miserably. <laughs> All right. Did you botch? Yes. You did botch. Okay. <laughs> well, let me contemplate this for a second. He looks at you and he, his eyes sort of narrow for a second. And he says, I've been sitting here the whole time. They haven't walked by. What are you guys doing with the broadcast equipment? And he bolts. He just like <laughs> runs up for the back room, convinced that they're sabotaging the entire radio station. Um, so when he gets in the room, which won't take long, radio stations are not palatial. So, no. Dova no, no, no. Bear, wait, wait, Dova Bear's here. Maybe they don't get in the radio station. Casey looks at Dova Bear helplessly. <laughs> when he gets into the room, Neodymium is licking one of the pieces of equipment because that's the only way to interface properly. Oh, okay. That's better than what I was going to do. Oh, wow. <laughs> I almost wish he could see holographic reality because that I, I, I have a whole picture in my head right now, and it's terrifying. Uh -huh. Oh, he, he doesn't want to see the holographic reality <laughs> equivalent of this, but we'll just stick with meat space. <laughs> okay. He rushes in, and he looks at you and says, what the hell are you doing to the transmitter? What are you? No, get away from there. And he reaches over and tries to pull you away from the transmitter. Is anyone going to attempt to stop him from ungracefully unplugging Neodymium's USB connection to this transmitter? Oh, he stuck his tongue into a USB port. That would be the best part. <laughs> I'll be there in a minute, but I'm still trying to send that text. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good excuse to stop him, but I can't. <laughs> Yeah. Friendship? Camaraderie? <laughs> I don't know that not, would stop him either. <laughs> not ejecting before pulling him out? <laughs> okay. Neodymium, uh, give me a willpower roll difficulty eight. I lose some of my data. This is on you. He, he does pull you away and you feel your interface just pull jarringly out of the transmitter and you lose everything. Your multi-tool loses its connection in the most graceless way possible. Thankfully, the, no actual data is lost. The Tamagotchi but, starved. Yes, the Tamagotchi starved. It was very sad for everyone involved. No one has lost any data, though. And you'll be able to circle up on this. You do, however, have a panicking student in front of you who wants to know what you were doing to the transmitter and is completely aghast that his professor would have anything to do with whatever is going on right now. He turns to you, Esty, and he says, what, what are you doing? What, are, were you using me to get to the radio station? What, what's happening here? Oh shit! <laughs> you, you don't. You don't want to give Neodymium time to talk. No. Yeah, Esty's gonna say, Neo, what, what, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> okay, give me manipulation plus subterfuge. I'm not gonna lie, the difficulty on this is nine. <laughs> this is a hard sell. <laughs> you are all just staring at me, and now all of a sudden, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh, oh, I know what I can do. I know what I can do now. I got one success. 
you got one success. He really wants to believe that you aren't involved in whatever weird technology licking sabotage is happening in front of him. So he's going to turn his focus back to Conrad and Neodymium. But you don't know if he's 100% convinced that you aren't somehow involved in something. Victor. Uh, mental I... note to uh, boost his grade by 5%. Neodymium is going to attempt deception. Oh, no. Neodymium, in classic Neodymium flat speak, will si- simply state it was a firmware update. Dova Bear is going to walk in or, or rush in, however Dova Bear chooses to enter the room, just in time to hear the words, it was a firmware update. And the entire room goes quiet because Nathan doesn't actually know how to process what has just been said. What will Dova Bear do? You know, I'm still going to do the thing I was originally planning to do because this is a good way to end this abortion of an infiltration um <laughs> i am going to use a weird formula i'm going to ensnare you know what neodymium it's the best target sorry i'm going to ensnare neodymium with bees all right can you please describe your procedure for this formula i I'm going to be still continuing to try to text with a bottle in my armpit that I'm holding up, turn the corner to come into the room, bump the corner, and accidentally fling the bottle at Neodymium. And I'm going to yell, oh no, my bees. All right. I'm just going to say the bottle shatters because, of course, the bottle would shatter. Go ahead and give me your formula roll you got one success that's enough to ensnare and distract neodymium and because this is a weird effect nathan sees the bees is immediately going to panic Please let him be allergic to bees he is not allergic to bees but being in a small enclosed space with bees is terrifying and he doesn't understand that these bees aren't actually capable of hurting him. You are just overwhelmed by the presence of bees and they're distracting you and you don't know where to move or what to do with them. He is going to run out of the room because bees and out of the building altogether. You could hope that subspace interference clouds his mind enough that you won't have to worry about him remembering any of the details of what happened here. But that's a bit of a crapshoot. I'll leave that up to you, though. Well, what are we going to do? Hunt him down and drug him? I mean... Oh, I'm, I'm out of the good stuff. Sorry. Neodymium right. gave a perfectly good, reasonable explanation for what was going on. There's no reason to alter this. I walk over to Neodymium and I say, My babies, come back to me. <laughs> Well, it's good because the ensnare isn't going to last very long, being, you know, a fairly basic formula. So the bees will come back to you and crawl all over your fur and fall out of their weird manifestation. Have you gotten all of the information you want to get out of this equipment? Yeah. All right. 
So you back out of the room. I assume you're going to close everything up and attempt to not make it too terribly obvious that you've been here. If someone wants to, like, grab a paper towel and wipe down that USB port, it's the only thing that Neodymium physically interacted with. The rest of it was through the Tamagotchi. He lost his six-week baby thanks to this. Do you know how hard it is to keep a Tamagotchi alive for six weeks? It's hard. I had one for two days. When I jumped into the pool with it, it made a terrible sound, and it never (laughs) came back. That poor Tamagotchi. All right, so you exit and wipe down the silicate nanite saliva all over that USB port. As you are gathering together and getting ready to leave, Nathan is gone. Nathan left the radio station. You suspect, Esty, that you will probably have to have an awkward conversation with him later, but the immediate issue with Nathan is resolved itself question mark as you are leaving though for those of you who are paying attention to the radio show earlier it is actually getting pretty close to wrapping up it only has a few minutes left and you are getting a couple odd looks from the recording studio as you walk by some of the noises from the incident with the bees were loud enough to get through the soundproofing you sort of suspected as much Do you want to wait until the show is over and attempt to talk to the hosts, or do you want to leave the radio station and wait for them to get back in touch with Dova Bear? I show Casey the text message I tried to send and say, did I do this right? Casey, you know Dova Bear well enough that you can sort of tell what was intended in the text message, but you're pretty sure anyone outside the crew would think they had just been awkwardly butt-dialed with a phone that has aggressive autocomplete. Casey looks at it and uh, looks at Dova Bear and gives a sympathetic smile and says, at least you've tried. (laughs) Oh, do you want to send the text message about how we want to talk to Lizzie or... Yeah. So, Casey, I imagine we're standing outside. They're staring at us at the recording studio, right? Not, like, intensely. You've gotten a couple weird glances, but they're still wrapping up their final segment. I point at Dova Bear, and then I grab the phone, and then I text, and then I point from myself to them, saying, we're trying to get in touch. And then I wave goodbye, and I say, let's just go wait outside now. (laughs) Essentially... I texted like, hey, how's it going? Mark said he hadn't seen you in a while and was wondering if you wanted to get a beer after the show. Okay. So you wait outside and you sent that text message. It'll be maybe five, ten minutes before they've wrapped up the show and gathered their stuff. Lizzie actually comes right outside and walks up to you. And she says, what the hell was going on in there? You can't make that kind of racket when we're recording, man. Like, what's going on? Why are you even here? Sorry about that. Your friend, Nathan, had a bit of a moment. I'm sorry. Nathan, I barely know him. I mean, whatever. What do you need to talk about? We heard you talking about Avalon Interactive, and we're very concerned about their... So as soon as you say Avalon Interactive, her face goes from a little annoyed and confused to 
angry. And she says, oh, you've heard about this game, too. Were you just listening to the show? You should be concerned. Everything they do is fucking exploitation, toxic bullshit. My brother's never going to walk again because of them. I don't care what the judge says. And she's on a tear. You've seen her get on a tear once or twice before, having interacted with her quite a bit, especially a few drinks in at that trivia nights. So you know how long this could go on for. I'm going to try to jump in a little bit there. Yeah, we saw some kids on campus playing that game thing. And I don't even know how it's possible, but they launched up at the ceiling and a bunch of them got hurt. What is up with this game? Like, what do you know? Man, that that just sounds like Avalon. It doesn't, nothing they do makes any sense. Nothing they do is even possible. And so no one believes it could be them. It's a coincidence. It's something fucking else. Well, I'm not putting up with it this time. I don't know exactly what this game is, but I know it's spreading throughout Seattle. I know the people who end up playing it are obsessed with it like everything they release is tuned to be the most addictive thing you've ever laid your hands on we don't need that kind of shit in this world we don't need people being distracted from what's really going on any more than they already are and avalon they do it on purpose i can tell they do it on purpose it's ridiculous we're gonna be there tomorrow i am running a protest we are gonna overwhelm them i am gonna get so many people down at that Damn headquarters. Where's that at? Where's that going to be at? Where are you starting? She uh, pulls up her phone and she brings up a map, keys in an address and shows it to you. Dova Bear, it's the first time you've seen this address. For Conrad, Casey, and Neodymium, you look over and look at the phone. It is the address that you found where all of the other devices that have this app are concentrated in downtown Seattle. Especially for you, Conrad, the fact that she even knows that is a little bit concerning. Where'd you hear about that being their headquarters? It took some digging. I I have friends. There are ways to get this stuff. You have to you have to register. The state keeps records and uh if records are kept then you can get to them if you know how to. You know what I'm saying? They aren't going to expect us there, but we're going to be there. Cool. Ah, yeah, that's awesome. Can you text me? Can you text Casey that address? <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, she, and next time next time you come by the pub, like, I'm going to have a couple on tap for you. She sends it to you and she says, tomorrow, 11 a.m., we're going to be there. You should all come. The more people we get there, the harder it is for them to ignore what we have to say. We are going to be there all day. And everyone is going to know what the hell they're doing by the time we're done. So she sends you all the information. She clearly wants you to show up at her protest. You know she has the right address. Is there anything else you want from her? I'm going to thank her so much for talking to us. And Casey will say, like, I'm. this is just really good that we ran into you because we were concerned and we didn't know anyone else was and we're really excited and we'd love to be a part of your movement. Please keep us posted. Yeah, I will. I, I absolutely will. I'm glad you guys were here. Random, but yeah, it's Providence, man. Like if we find anything out, we'll let you know. Yeah. And uh, if you find out who those kids were, who were thrown into the air, I don't, I don't even want to think about how they could do that. I would love to get them to come to this thing too. I mean, 
especially if, if there are people that Avalon has directly screwed up, it's harder to ignore them. So yeah, if you get names, send them on. I'll, I'll make sure they show up. Kate so, says definitely oh. and forces a smile. <laughs> Decidedly so, yeah. not looking at Dover Bear. <laughs> <laughs> she thanks you and says, I, I got to get going. I've, I have a meeting to get to. Ah, got to organize the rest of this thing. So I'll see you all tomorrow. And then she turns around and heads away from the radio station. You've gotten more information on where all this comes from. You know there's going to be a big protest tomorrow. What do you want to do at this point? It's pretty late in the day, and a lot has happened since you all woke up this morning. But if there are any final things you'd like to put in motion, now would be the time. Mark is going to look at everybody after Lizzie leaves and be like, you know what's better than one protest? Three protests. That is Because we have two superior. other places that we know there's going to be real problems. Three protests is numerically superior to one. We can put the word out. Is that a good idea? It is an sure idea. What the point of the protests for us are going to be? What are we going to get out of that? We can use the other two protests to cover our infiltration of any one of these facilities. And with a lot more people like you, and I gesture at Commodore, mm-hmm. hanging out around that might restrain the people that were being targeted by the game events? Being at a protest against this organization is probably going to get anyone involved with them targeted. And the people that I think we're talking about are very dangerous and will not hesitate to remove people well after the protest in ways that make it seem that it was an accident or other things that we just don't need to worry about. I'm just not sure how we infiltrate and participate in the protests and or do one or the other without really putting ourselves in danger, in extreme danger. By doing nothing, we are already in extreme danger as the capabilities of this game are tested out further and rolled out in much more refined manners. It's a game studio. It's not going to stop. You can't stop the games, Mal. Nope. Like EA, bro. They're just going to keep putting out stuff. Yeah, and Activision, too. (laughs) So, right now, there are a couple different places where you know these phones tend to cluster. But there are only two locations that you know for certain something is going to happen in the near future. To the south of town, there's the location that you're pretty certain is centered on wolf shifter activity. And then there's the actual headquarters that you now have information on. We could actually let the werewolves know. We could invite them to the protest. We don't have good relationships with them. (laughs) And for everyone who cannot see our very not ready for production video, Conrad is silently screaming. Um, (laughs) This seems like the best course of action. Let's get werewolves involved. Only Um, good can come of this. (laughs) 
so it was the best of times it was the werewolves of times kids this is why you don't trust your friendly neighborhood changelings (laughs) no i does anyone here have any existing relationship with the changeling population i know that casey has a previous relationship with the missing knocker but that was mostly a professional relationship in the context of the university how much did you know about him would you say casey that's a good question i imagine as the knocker was helping to refine and fine-tune my chimerical wing casey wouldn't just let it be dead air and casey would find that the knocker a little bit fascinating and was one of their earliest exposures even though it wasn't a fellow countless it was one of their earliest exposures to someone that was had anything like them so i imagine they try to engage them in as much conversation as possible as you can with a knocker (laughs) so oh knockers will talk it's you just have to be prepared for a cervic conversation go ahead and give me a contacts roll just roll contacts straight up difficulty is going to be seven sd does have a mannequin friend as well if that helps at all. Is the mannequin friend a contact or an ally? Contact. Go ahead and roll contacts as well. Difficulty seven. No. Nope. No, nothing. This apparently never came up. Two successes. Two successes. So you have had several conversations with this mannequin friend. The topic of the local changelings have come up, as with most mannequins, they're involved with the local changeling population wherever they live, oftentimes more so than even with elemental in anime because they want so desperately to become what they are becoming. There were a couple conversations about some of the local changelings, one or two, who at least said they had interactions with werewolves. They called them Garu. It's the only time you've ever heard that term. You never really thought much of it. Other than, well, that's just crazy. Why would you ever do that? The stories you heard talking with the mannequin were pretty unbelievable. You didn't give them a lot of credence. But now you're having second thoughts about that. Well, I may have to uh, head down to my favorite thrift store and see if I can get in touch with my friend. So I think, given where we are, we're going to go ahead and call it... We will see how all of this comes together when we next join our adventurers as they venture into these coming protests and perhaps decide to reach out to the local Garu population. I hope you have enjoyed our time with the Hunter's Augment and you join us for our next episode.